0: The focal point for the last half of the sutra was pretty interesting. I thought it was really fruitful. Um and I, you know, see how it felt for you. Uh Jaya, would you mind reading this uh quote at the top for us? That's convenient.
1: Uh Swami Lakshmanju comments. When your consciousness is resolute in finding the timeless point, then you are sent to be Kalagra
0: Saikata Para. So this timeless point uh we explored it in a really fun way sort of looking at some science and talked about how when you talk about space and time in terms of science there's this concept of like density tends to change time and without going all the way into it the idea was that if you meditated for a year at the edge of a black hole it's so dense and it changes time so much that you would actually have missed 250,000 years here on earth in one year. That would be the dawn of all Human civilization as we know it from Neanderthals till now And then we looked at we zoomed out and we said from this uh, Perspective of say like yoga or Hinduism in general Brahma or just like these main three deities occupy such they're so vast and they're so Just I guess I'll stick with the word vast that they actually spend time as well the idea being if you were to sit at the feet of Brahma which is like a deity like Shiva for a year according to the math in Hinduism then the ma- the number was too big to comprehend it was 311 trillion years would have passed here on earth so 23 times our entire universe as we know it over again impossible to comprehend the point being um, was that you're not gonna beat time on this level, you know. You, there's another way to understand time, and that's this vertical level, and um, that there is a timeless point uh, in between every breath, in between every word we speak, or every step or every movement we make. We're so lucky to have all these different ways into this concept. That if you can find the present, then you've found the vastest densest most unfathomably large quote unquote black hole or any you know any kind of concept you want to attribute to it the present is bigger than any object so even the number 311 trillion dwarfs compared to the present and we just we we have this capacity at any point that we can latch onto the present and we can experience something way bigger than our minds can even comprehend which is something that the yogic tradition says over and over and over again and so this timeless point it actually takes us as the sutra you know went on to say it sort of takes you beyond even like the fear of death it takes you beyond your limitations your fear of your own sort of individuality or your smallness so let's take that two minutes to breathe and to try to feel the present, the timeless present, uh, while we write about it. And I know you're like, well, I just want to meditate. You should. You can do that. But I will also say that a part of the, the practice of philosophy is learning how to let the internal and external worlds interact in a surrendered way. And so writing while having internal focus is actually an advanced practice. You're always welcome to pursue it any way you want. But just letting yourself feel inside. Find the present with a breath or two right now. It's really easy to do for a moment. It's like anybody can find the present for a moment. And then try to, try to be with that present. Try to sit with that present while you write. doesn't matter what you write as long as you're feeling while you write. So two minutes. a minute has elapsed but you're still in the present Does your experience of time change when you're present? Letting yourself finish the thought you're on, and then taking a moment to reread. At your own pace, whatever you wrote, appreciate it. So, um, I don't know, I've been using a lot of mantra and feeling the space between each mantra. Like, it's like a moment as well, not just the resonation of the syllables, but the space as well. So, um, yeah, so I wrote occupying a space because I,
2: I just felt like I was just, just occupying. I wasn't doing really much of anything. Hmm. i just occupying some space right now, just sort of feeling with that. Thanks. That was sort of a,
0: a powerful summarizing word couplet because that really sort of took me directly to the experience when you sort of finished with that. The feeling of just occupying the space, like there's nothing we have to do to be present per se in fact most of, the, most of the stuff we try to do to get present tends to lead us out eventually and there's like a sense of doership to that and so this feeling of just like occupying space feels like a pretty
2: powerful uh, practice to be present thank you I'm sure that I think your mic might be on, which could I'm not sure if it's a, this
0: shows me then. Okay, cool. go for it, Bob
1: Okay, yeah I was uh, uh I was thinking about hum saw meditation and how the ex- the experiences that you have um, in between the hum and the saw. When things get very, very quiet, so there's no hum and there's no sa, uh, there's just a a pause. And the pause, if you don't react to it, it just expands. And uh, till the point where your mind goes, huh, what's going on? And then you come right back. But um, that's my experience with hum sa meditation.
0: Thanks, Bob. Let's try that for a second. I like the, how you described it. If you don't react to the pause, it expands. Just Take a couple of breaths on your own,
2: everyone, and just sort of feel with that. Thanks Bob. I definitely feel that the, the potential
0: there and I immediately recognize like how much time it takes you know to have those discoveries how it is sort of challenging like in the moment to be like okay the pause and it just showed it shows how the experience we're after in meditation really does it's funny it really does take time yeah it can happen the snap of a finger you know as the zen cohen sort of like you know described but those are that's when the that's when the the straw that breaks the camel's back kind of the that's the the straw you know but there was lifetimes potentially of sadhana leading up to those moments and you know of watching that pause and allowing it to to expand and so thanks for sharing that
2: that sort of like perspective on it, and i'm definitely going to work with that
3: This just brought up for me a word that didn't make it for me in the chat, but it was on the page for me. And the word was stamina, and stamina has come up for me in the last two days. And I, it's coming up now because I'm thinking of practice and doing a practice, and even something like surrender, and if you're kind of half surrendering, you can do that for a long, 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 long time, but it's not with that depth. But if you're surrendering deeply through your practice and you develop stamina to do the practice, um, this actually has to do with time, not with timeless, but this idea of stamina and being able to sort of maintain um sort of um for me i guess i do connect it to the timeless because it's that um that focus piece and it's being able to stay present and connect moment by moment awareness sort of in that unbroken space which is that timeless so i'm thinking of stamina
0: thanks Dharma. yeah i'm just sort of like scanning through that sutra because they're it was interesting in the Sutra when it actually um, talked about this concept over here, because um, in the paragraph before this, which is the one I'm trying to pull up um, sort of taking a while, it said basically like, in time, um, like if you can do this,
2: then over time, you will realize it. Um, one sec. Yeah, I guess it's too hard to find that kind of thing right on the spot. Um, Oh, here
0: it is. That yogi who is always established in their own nature and who is determined to destroy the sphere of time, Kala, by fixing their consciousness on the timeless point, which is the present, the space between the breaths, everything we've been talking about. It says, will in the near future find that time has ceased to exist? And I just thought that was almost comical. It almost felt like a... I was like, wow, they're just... Joking around with us in this, in, in, in a way, but then it's like it's true. Finding the timeless point, you have to hold it and it takes time to find it. So it's like in the near future, they will find that time has ceased to exist. So the present is something, like I said earlier, we can grab onto quickly, but then there's a whole nother experience waiting a whole nother experience waiting course of what the present might really be about if you're able to hold it for a duration and i you know that is what it seems the sutra is pointing us towards when it says you know really transcending your limitations this isn't just about doing something once it's this effort over time principle if I could just share one last thing before we do some tension release, I was picturing, you know <laughs> these huge numbers and thinking, "Wow, so if you're meditating, if you meditate just like once and you say, "Deeply wish to grow, oh and property gives you a thumbs up, Dharma, she's feeling that. that's awesome. And then you say it a hundred times, or if you say it a thousand times, or we say it like in in our tradition where we're like, oh, I'm going to do Hundred thousand mantras. I'm going to do eight million mantras. If you try to picture that, if you try to picture this deity hearing your mantra, you know, one lifetime almost goes by that quickly. In a way, to these deities, they're, they're, these concepts. There, this time is so vast that it's almost like you have to say a mantra a million times for it to be heard. It's if you're picturing something in like time lapse, for example. The flower would come up and go right down. It's like we, if we were those deities, it'd be like watching a flower like bloom and then go right back down. That's like how fast things would be going. So if that flower just said one mantra at one point in its life, but what if that flower said "Om Namah Shivaya" Om the whole, you know, for years and years and years? It's like you hear it, and so there's this essence of we have to practice over time to even comprehend time. To even comprehend ourselves, to be heard by these deities, you know, to have our practice sort of like resonate. So, that was a fun sutra. You know, it's always fun to dive into science, and I think we'll do a little bit more of that tonight. But first, let's take a moment to do some tension release, make some space. Always welcome to just jump right into the practice, and I'll lead it a little bit for anyone who's, you know, getting used to these practices. Hands are outstretched just above the floor, fingertips outstretched, chest lifted, and then just slowly inhale through the nose to kind of five or seven or even 10, but without any kind of stress or holding. And then try to hold your breath in the heart for the same length of time, feeling any tension there, any sort of crust or residual residue, just sort of breaking up. And then try to exhale for the same length of time, visualizing a smoky or ashy substance going out of the heart, down the arms, and out the palms and fingertips. So make the pranayama part
2: of your practice as you inhale for a certain length, counting as you breathe. Holding the breath for that same length
0: of time, whatever it is, and trying to feel that breaking up of crystallization in the heart then really try to feel it pouring out as you exhale. Smoke your ashy substance out, arms
2: and hands, and on your own a couple of times. Go and look at your fingertips, wipe off your arms after your next exhale. And we'll move into our next sutra.
0: Bhuta Kanchiki Tadha Vimukta Bhuya Patti Samapara Try it with me. Bhuta Kanchiki Tadha Vimukta. Buya, patti, sama, para. For this yogi, the five elements are only coverings. At that very moment, they're absolutely liberated, supreme, and just like Shiva. The moment they realize that these five elements are only coverings is
2: the moment they're absolutely liberated. I'd like to just sort of introduce uh, just quickly a concept that helped me with this sutra might help you as well. Um, When we look up into the night sky,
0: studies have shown that we can see about 2,000 stars. Maybe you knew that with the naked eye, but it's funny because I don't, I don't ever recall seeing 2,000 stars. I recall maybe seeing a constellation or maybe the Milky Way or like, wow, it's a lot of stars. But I don't ever think I saw 2,000. How many stars we see sort of depends on how we're looking at them. And the more detached we are, the more surrendered inside we are, the more we see. See, the the world around us is really just as sparkly as the night sky, but in both cases, it's hard to see the vastness
2: all at once. And to experience that vastness, we have to zoom out. We have to
0: employ our practice and surrender to get a glimpse of what's going on around us.
2: So, you know, try it for a moment. Imagine that you're looking at the night sky right now.
0: So don't just focus in on the monitor in front of you, you know, or the person talking on it. You know, see that, but then see the room around. And then what's around the room? You physically, you are around the room and
2: yogically. All of this is happening within. Can you feel that? Can you see
0: this room like the night sky, like trying to see all the stars? But can you also, you can still hear me. You can still see what's happening on the screen. This is an experience of detachment. And it shows you that detachment, or as we would call it, surrender, is not obviously pushing away. It's actually encompassing. And that when we detach from something, we actually see more of it. We actually interact with it at a deeper level. And the sutra teaches that when we detach from the
2: body, we actually have a, a more Shiva-like experience of it. You know, this picture, its you're on a hike and you can only see
0: the rock in front of you. It's a very limited experience. You're at work. You can only see the spreadsheet in front of you. It's a very limited experience. But if you can zoom out, you actually see a lot more of what's happening
2: around you. You can see you're almost home, or you can see you're almost done with your project. Just one example, of course.
0: In yoga, we're constantly teaching people how to see more than just the stretch of a muscle. And to like experience their postures in a deeper way. For example, in a forward fold, if you just see your hamstring stretch, studies have shown you're you're on the path to hamstring tendonitis. <laughs> you're on the path to a tight low back. You know, but if you can zoom out and see the two thousand stars, two thousand points of light of the experience of the posture, you get so much more. You know, and that's something you have to practice and you have to learn how to do. You have to be given the
2: path to that. And so the takeaway is that detachment actually helps you see something clearer
0: and to feel more deeply within that experience. And so as you interact with your body, for example, in yoga or in the way it's described in the sutra, we focus on Shiva, focus on awareness. And that tends to take us beyond any limitation, our individuality. And that the sutras say, hey, I know this sounds challenging, but if you can do it for even the blink of an eye, we're going to read that in a moment, then you got it. So if you can sustain this experience of seeing the vastness while still seeing the screen in front of you, if you can really do that and and eat it, if that experience lands
2: in you, for even just a moment, it says, "Then you got it." Can I have a? Uh, well, you know what, Shoshone is.
0: Are you guys? Is it convenient to read tonight? Last week, I promised y'all would be the readers. Looks like the mic might be far away. Oh, go for it.
2: Yeah. So. If you can see that on the screen, give it a read. Hello?
4: It's still uh not doing anything. Should I just talk loudly?
2: I hear you. You can
4: hear me doesn't seem to be on you're good okay in this sutra the sanskrit word tada then means when all desire disappears in the yogi this is the destruction of the state of the individual this takes place when the attachment of his eye consciousness in their physical body disappears when this occurs they are said to be bhuta Bhuta Kanuki, covered by the five elements, not Bhuta Harin, holding the five elements. This person who is covered by the five elements thinks, I can take off this physical body at any time I like. This body is just a case covering him. They do not insert their consciousness into that body, which covers them, so they are absolutely free from that covering. As such, they are completely liberated. They are actually just like Lord Shiva. They are supreme.
0: Thanks. And thanks for going after those challenging Sanskrit words. That's how we get there. Awesome job. All right. So, when all desires disappear, the individual, the state of the individual is sort of like, well, you know, destruction. Big word, but let's just say we we transcend it, and this takes place when our when our attachment when we start to stop attaching our wants and needs to the physical body, and we're able to work with it in a more surrendered way. And this shifts from us holding on to the five elements to us being covered by the five elements. It's almost like if there's in the sutra it says it's like a blanket blanket covers you, you know, and you can just sort of take off the blanket. But if you're gripping that blanket, you know, if you think this blanket it like defines me, it's what I am, I can't live without this, then yeah, you can't let go of that blanket. In fact, you're, you know, everything you do sort of revolves around, how can I keep holding onto this blanket?
2: And that limits us. So our goal is to become free from the physical body. But the big
0: thing is it always, uh, there's always this like dualistic tone to that statement that I'm trying to help us, or I'm trying for myself and for the sake of our discussion, trying to get bigger than. We teach yoga trainings. Like we work with our body in a way that, that actually promotes spiritual growth. You know, the body is not, something to just sort of be like cast aside it's, it's shiva as well but shiva is that and so much more so how do we do both you know? how do we work with our body and keep our awareness on
2: shiva or on our heart or just on the present so these are the the questions that the sutra sort of posing for us so do any of you have experiences in your sort
0: of job or hobbies you know where you feel like you directly encounter this juxtaposition of the body you know being like if I work with it well I actually I can feel that this is like a productive relationship and if if I don't then I sort of get like dragged down anybody have like a job or or a hobby that gives them a glimpse of
2: this or asks them to interact with it in this way. Anybody work at a standing desk? Why do you work at a standing desk, Dharma?
3: Variety. Because if I'm sitting too long, Mm -hmm. my desk goes up and down. That's why I say variety, because I can stand and then I can sit. And change postures. Change postures.
0: Right, right. So if you don't, you don't have that variety. What happens to your work?
2: It it, it suffers. And what happens to you?
3: I suffer. I was thinking about your question, not just about the standing desk, but for me, the biggest observable difference I see is if I'm if I'm playing music, like if I'm playing drums, and if um, I'm I'm coming from a place of just stress, that that stress shows up in my body. And when I'm trying to just be present and sort of create a flow, um, there's actually a lot of physical resistance that's sort of stuck inside. And as it's, it just, it it can be like night and day sometimes, you know, when I sit down to express myself creatively on an instrument, if I'm coming from a place of, being relaxed and feeling good that I'm not holding that tension to my body and things can just come out of me in a, in a, in a productive way in a way that feels nourishing. And so it's just so interesting to, um, mm-hmm. to sort of recognize that and, and just to observe it and, and to sometimes know that if I'm, if I'm sitting down to play and I'm coming from that place of stress, Maybe it can serve as a channel. Like maybe I could channel it out, like ah, like scream it out. But I don't actually like doing that at all. <laughs> and what I find that it's actually better to set the sticks down and go do something else, yeah, and yeah. come back when I'm ready because that's the time when it's actually the best for me. Is to just like allow things to kind of come out and happen. Um, so that before my music used to be sort of an outlet for emotion. And by finding this practice and using surrender, surrender actually becomes the outlet in a way to dissolve some of that tension. And then the creative expression actually becomes more devotional and like heart-centered. So it's been a big shift for me since coming to the practice.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah, I remember when you were teaching me drums, you know, rule number one was to find a a, a relaxed stance a relaxed seat a relaxed way of holding the sticks and that that's going to be the the path to the the your highest capacity physically and as you mentioned creatively you know and that takes a self-consciousness of your body how do you know if you're relaxed you have to observe the state of your experience you have to observe your body objectively how do you know when to stand up Uh, at your desk if it goes both ways you have to be you can't be like uh, lost in the email that you know then you just are already suffering you don't know why but if you're checking in and you're feeling throughout and, and and objectively seeing your body then you know when to stand up you know when to sit down and then that creativity is there for you after you know the work's done as well and so it's this sense of like zooming out, detaching is not pushing anything away. It's actually how we take care of things. It's how you know how you're doing. You know, it's just this weird thing in our mind where we think detachment is cold. It's, it's a rejection. And it's like, no, that's why Rudy probably changed the word to surrender. Because it invokes this feeling of like
2: self-care and a feeling of, uh, of of just sort of being cared for.: So hopefully that inspires sort of um, our perspective, you know, our work
0: for, for this sutra, to just ask yourself, like, how am I interacting with my body? And does observing my body, does feeling it, you know, am I pushing it away when I do that? Is that what that feels like? Or when I observe my body, do I actually feel like I'm seeing it better? I'm feeling it clearer. And uh, that zooming out, you know, that 2,000 stars in the night sky concept is a
2: way we can also do that visually within our environment. All right, so speaking of bodies, um, move your body around a
0: little bit right now to prepare for meditation. Um, This is exactly that moment, right? How do you know how to move your body right now? Are you just going to do that same old thing, you know, that same old twist? yes and no, do the same old twist, but then pause and just sort of be in it for a moment and just feel what you're doing and how it's benefiting you or maybe not. And that usually will inform you about how long you need to be in it, what the next movement is you need to make. So take the next 30
2: seconds and just do some some movement that's just based on feeling what you're doing while you're doing. It. So in case you're wondering, you know, this is,
0: this is the fun part of yoga, um, and this is something that we explore in our classes every week. So if you ever want to explore this kind of stuff with us, um, we teach on Zoom on Tuesday evenings at six o'clock in Colorado, and it's really a time for us to bring our practice into the space of our body. So in the next few weeks, if you want to explore this sutra via yoga class, feel free to tune
2: in. But for now, when find a position that feels pretty stable. Let the
0: eyes close for a moment and feel the whole length of your spine from tailbone to crown. And imagine the spine just getting about a half an inch longer in both directions. and then let it relax a half an inch so that you feel buoyant. You're welcome to have the eyes
2: slightly open in the soft focus, or you can keep them closed. So the physical body is a balancing act. It's never done. Even stillness is never finished. Perfect stillness is not a stone statue. Perfect stillness is like a flower just poised. Perfect stillness is. an experience of your whole body working together
0: at one moment. And if you can have an experience of perfect stillness for even just the blink of an eye, as the sutra
2: tells us, you're there. You get it. You'll never be the same. How we arrive there is not by gripping. It's by surrender. Surrender is a space between...
0: The idea of lying down right now to find stillness, not quite that. It's also not quite
2: holding stillness with your will. Somewhere in between, and it's a creative endeavor. For you to be perfectly still right now is so far beyond any cue I could ever give. So far beyond just following a cue. It requires every ounce of your being to be pointed in the same direction. And that direction is generally described as inwards. Or upwards. As you're working on stillness right now, do you find yourself observing your body? Does observing your body help you with stillness? Does being still make you separate from your reality from
0: the world around you and within you, or does being still
2: somehow unite you with this reality? If you're approaching stillness with surrender, then all of your work is helping you to dissolve tension, obscurations. If we slip into a dream, And to quietly and gracefully let go of that thought wave, and once again feel our body in space, feel the buoyancy of our spine. quality Imagine your body as the night sky. And when you feel your body from the outside in, just as you feel it right now, maybe
0: one little constellation that stands out to you,
2: maybe a knee constellation or a low back, this or that. It's all right. Use each breath to imagine more stars
0: around those spaces you can feel, around those spaces your mind
2: easily attaches to. Try to imagine your body filled with all of these points of light. Try to feel the wholeness. Try to see the whole sky at once. Imagine this inner landscape, vast and clear. Allow your breath to draw the awareness in through the third eye, down the throat, to the heart. As you exhale, try to feel that vast, clear space of the heart. Then doing the same thing as the breath draws, third eye, throat, heart all the way down to the navel. As you exhale, again, space. And repeat that or draw your focus to just the heart or the navel repeatedly. Letting awareness draw in. As you exhale, expanding beyond our limited experience of the body. No matter how you feel, you can expand. It's not a
0: physical breath, it's an experience.
2: Just not letting yourself be limited by this one constellation of experience. Surrendering the body isn't about pushing it away or ignoring it.
0: It's embracing it, it's encompassing it. Just like right now, that you feel more
2: expansive, that you feel your body at the same time, but you're more than that. The body is Shiva, and Shiva is even more. And so taking time over the next couple of
0: weeks to dive into this physical stillness and these spaces of physical awareness, like the heart and the navel, and to use them as Points of expansion in your practice as an exploration of how we can detach from the body as a way of experiencing our true nature in a non dualistic way. Namaste, everyone. Thank you for your awareness, working on that together so have a great uh, rest of your weekend and uh next week be sure to tune in we'll be hearing um from Uma and Natarajani on a presentation about creativity and, and within the scope of our practice that should be a lot of fun so that'll be next week and then we'll revisit this sutra two weeks from today so see you soon